Are you familiar with Weston Cage, uh, Nick's first son? Oh, I'm not. Yeah, he's he's got his own career uh, in in film. Uh, in film, well, and uh, initially in music. Yeah. Uh, he, oh, that's even better. Yeah, yeah he, he was like a death metal guy, and he oh, he would okay. wear like corpse paint all the time. Yeah. And, uh, there's right. a, there's a it's couple because he was raised in a haunted house. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a couple like really good photos from the mid two thousands of Cage with his son when he was like full on like death metal dude huh. around town, and it's very funny to see. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> he looks like very serious about it. Like he doesn't he, smile in any of the photos. He and, was dead serious. Yeah, I think he's lightened up a bit since then. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I uh, speaking of photos of Cage. Uh, do you, the Facebook group that I'm in, the like Nicholas Cage Appreciation Society or whatever it is. Yeah, I I recently closed my Facebook, but I was also part of that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, the people have been posting more and more photos of of seeing him out in the wild, like partying and getting drunk. Dude, I think I he's yeah, he's having like a lost weekend now after he like he's single again. Yeah, yeah. he was single and then he wasn't for two days, and now he's single again. <laughs> Wait, remind me of this. He got, did he get, he got yeah, married again. He got married in Vegas. Right. And then immediately got it annulled, like, yeah. less than Two days later. later? Yeah, it was a couple days later. I think that had to do with when he was, like, singing Purple Rain and stuff. Like, I think yeah. he was doing mm -hmm. sort of a cathartic thing. Because I, I read some interview where he was, like, unhappy that people filmed him uh, going to different karaoke bars in LA uh, and, and singing Prince songs. I mean, don't know what you expect though. Like I, I know that he has more self-awareness than that. Yeah. Also it's like extremely charming. So yeah. like, um, I don't know. I, I don't know that anyone was really making fun of him for no, it. No, right? everybody was yeah. excited. But it's still a notable thing. Like I would film that if I saw, I Absolutely. mean, I would do, I would think I would probably say other things to him first, but I, I, I it's the kind of thing where it's like, that would legitimately be like a fun night out. Like, I, I really don't know what I would do. Like, like, I don't know if I'd freeze up. I don't know if I'd say something to him and what I, I mean, my general feeling about seeing celebrities in public is that I almost never have anything to say to them that they need or want to hear. Right. And that if I like them, then I want to like, I, I want them to be able to preserve an illusion of normalcy around yeah. me. I feel like that's the best thing I can do. But also, like, we've now spent so many hours, like, uh, obsessing over him that I just, I, if I had that opportunity, especially if he's singing Prince. Yeah, you got to say something. I would. You should do a duet. Yeah. Oh my God. We could do the beautiful ones and he <laughs> could do the spoken word part. It would be so good. Anyway, um, I don't. I don't know what I would do, but uh, oh, we could do when doves cry. Yeah, that's that's a good one. That's a good one. Holy shit! Yeah, I'll take the high. He'll take the low. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining Cage now in like the music video, but like in the place of Prince, where he's like totally naked and like and like stretched out on the floor while the wind blows through the empty room. Yeah, that's that's what I imagine every night when I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just see it in the ceiling as I'm going to sleep. <laughs> All right, let's let's get into this. Well, let's cool. first welcome our guest. Hello. Ashy Dalla. Thank you so much for uh, joining us in the Panther Den. Yeah, thank you, Ashy. This is really incredible, especially for this movie, because it is, I actually like have too much to say about this, and I don't know like where. From what little we've said to each other about, about this, it seems like we all have too much to say about it. <laughs> I think so. I um, have a huge history with this movie and all of its prior movies of this 
of the, of, the left behind yeah. uh, cannon and um, uh, just oh, do it. three, two, oh, shit. one. <laughs> Sorry, that was super important. We had to get that out of the way. This, this is your third time seeing this particular movie? Yeah, this is my third time seeing this particular movie. What was the first time? I saw it when it came out. I didn't see it in theaters, but I saw it because I had seen the original Left Behind movie back when I was a kid. My family was going to uh, an evangelical megachurch at the time. And um, I think that everybody in the church watched the movie and there were Bible studies that started getting devoted to watching the movie. And I, I think I was in seventh grade and I was going to like a Wednesday night Bible study where we were watching it like one hour at a time. Oh my God. And talking about it. And that, uh, the Kirk Cameron one, which is, that one is, um, it's a wild ride. Yeah. It's, and <laughs> it's kind of famous, like just yeah. in the, it, because it got so popular and it was like the first of its, I feel like, I mean, I, again, I don't have any kind of personal connection to it. Like I wasn't raised in that religion or anything. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't really have any kind of like, you know, connection to the Bible or the rapture in general, but it's like this, but I, I feel like that movie got so popular that it kind of like burst through into like the general like public yeah, consciousness. It, it, I was, it was, yeah. It was like a, bring your friends. Mm-hmm. They don't have to know Jesus. Take them to see Left Behind. Yeah. It's, a, it's an evangelical movie. And even before Left Behind, uh, there's a movie called A Thief in the Night. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. I, <laughs> and yeah. From the 70s, um, which actually had a big role in my own mother-in-law's conversion. Have you seen Thief in the Night? Miles? I did. I saw it a couple years ago. It was a uh, uh, I was in college, so maybe yeah. more than a couple years ago. But I was <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things no, like you're what like 23 now? <laughs> I'm 19 actually, yeah. <laughs> but um uh, I uh, I graduated with honors when I was early. Yeah. Um no, I uh, <laughs> um I don't remember why, but like someone brought it up at one point. It might have been me cuz I was geeking out about it a lot. Yeah, the, there was a there was there was like a reason I watched it. It was just one of those instances where we were just like, there were a couple friends and we were like just drinking and hanging out and mm-hmm. we were like, Oh, have you heard of this? Someone brought it up and it was like weird. And then it was on YouTube. So like we just got fucked up and watched it and we we're like, what? This is crazy. What is this? But the thing that really stuck with me about it, like haunts me almost to this day is the fucking song. The song, the yeah. song is the most, it's like the creepiest thing ever. The, yeah. The Larry Norman yeah. song. Of from which the Left Behind series gets its name, um, that in this movie they do a really shitty version of it. <laughs> um, I in preparing for this episode, I went back into this stuff, and this is all stuff that I kind of geeked out about a, a couple years ago. Um, uh, I was not raised into it, so I was able to come at it from a completely uh, a perspective untainted by any sort of uh, anything. And uh, but yeah, because I. I also, I found A Thief in the Night, which if you're unfamiliar is, uh, yeah, it was an independent film by this preacher character named uh, Donald W. Thompson from uh, 1972 that it's it's a really low budget indie film and it's really funny, but also like genuinely scarring. Like it's it's pretty- It's kind of a horror movie. It's a horror movie. Yeah. And there's like stuff, it's it's, I think- it seems to me like Donald Thompson heard the Larry Norman song 
I, I wish we'd all been ready, which um, got it. So tracing that thread back, Larry Norman was a hippie in the 60s in LA who got turned on to evangelical Christianity. He's really interesting. Like he's he had some really good songs. I think I wish we'd all been ready is a good song. It's kind of terrifying and uh and uh moving and Yeah, I, I actually pitched it to a band I was in a couple years ago. Oh really? Yeah, just for the hell of it. I was like we should cover this weird song and no one was about it. But I think I like it's it's spooky. You know, yeah, it's extremely spooky. What's really interesting about the thief in the night and the Jesus movement at that time was the people who were becoming part of the Jesus movement were the same as him. Like it was a, it was like a post hippie. All these people had probably done way more psychedelics than any of us. Right. And they're getting introduced to <laughs> Christianity in the most terrifying way possible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh man. That's uh, <laughs> like Jesus is the real trip. It's, yeah. yeah. I, well, I mean, re- the book of Revelation is like the trippiest thing. It, it is like it's truly I could see how if you were eating a bunch of acid for a couple years and then like we're trying to find your way. Like yeah. that, something like that would like really. The Bible's you know. got a lot. I mean, it's it's uh, a wild read in a lot of ways. Did, uh, did you make it all the way to the end? Did you read Revelation? I, yeah, yeah. I, I read. Well, to be fair, I, I listened to the audio book, but I. I got through the whole thing and uh, well when we all get raptured god will remember that (laughs) (laughs) you took the easy way out (laughs) no it's fascinating i i really do recommend to anybody with an interest in western culture at all to uh yeah, listen to the audiobook of the bible don't i i mean (laughs) is it is it read by god yeah, I think so. Okay. There was <laughs> Red Pine Morgan Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever it was was very authoritative in uh, the way they read it. So probably if it was God or the Holy Ghost, or it was one of them. So Revelation is obviously a very uh, hot topic. Yes. Um, because it's really confusing. And there are all of these different branches of belief pertaining to end times. And some of them aren't even end times in terms of a read of the book of Revelation. So left behind has to do with a bigger thing called dispensationalism, which is somebody, and I can't remember who, probably a group of people, uh, made kind of a map out of the Bible to describe like the beginning of time through the end of time. Yeah, I was looking at these. Yeah, and so Revelation fits in as like the ultimate fulfilling of the end prophecy, and that's when the world is going to end. Right. Um, and, and yeah, and and that's where a lot of this like the evangelical churches who are like really excited about things that seem like objectively terrible happening in the world are coming from, right? Because they're they think that these are that natural disasters and things of, like that are uh, signs that we're getting closer to uh, revelation. So it's not Brazil's president setting the Amazon on fire. <laughs> it's, God, ju- that's it's just God's God? will. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the um, Kirk Cameron left behind starts with the reporter character in Israel with bombs falling from the sky and the sun's blacked out and he's filming himself with the camera. And then 
some guy who I think they're implying is from biblical times, but he's obviously a white guy, comes out and says a prophecy to him. And, <laughs> and anyway, but yeah, it's that idea of like, oh, things are really bad. There's all these natural disasters. Like there's war and there's famine all over the earth. This has got to be... This is, this is it, guys. Yeah, I can either, like, it, I mean, I can see that being a really attractive frame of uh, looking at all the terror and uncertainty in the world and just being like, oh, this is just a sign that actually everything is as it should be. And uh, if I just, if I'm committed enough to to this idea of Christianity, then um, this actually means things are about to get really good. Yeah, Um I'm looking at my notes and this specific type of eschatology that's in Left Behind is uh, the futurist, which is a literal interpretation of Revelation as future events that are physical. Right. So there's actually going to be a beast and the whore of Babylon is going to ride Rise, it. Yeah. And all the, the angels are going to blow the horns and the the bulls and yeah. stuff and all, all of that is literally going to happen. The and, lamb. And then the original Left Behind series is a series of books goes through all of these like physical manifestations and in, in its own narrative of like how it sees it playing out. There's like 20 books in this series. It's very right? long. 16. It goes for 16. Yeah, it, goes, it seems like it goes forever. Are they still writing them? It's or? a soap opera. That's what it is. Dude, that's wild. I should, I should try to read all of them. <laughs> I, I tried to start, back in the 2000s, I tried to start, I found all of them at a, at a, <laughs> books, at a book sale. And for like a dollar each, so I, I brought them home and like a in hardcover. I like w <laughs> carried them home and I started reading the first uh, one, and then I was like, "Oh, these are garbage!" And I <laughs> threw them all away. Uh, yeah, because oh, it sounds awesome. Like yeah. describing that, it sounds because the Book of Revelations, it uh, like it. There's a bunch of wild stuff that happens in it and it is like just taking that as a okay so a soap opera that happens during the book of revelations sounds cool let's go i'm here for it i want to what actually happens when the beast gets married or whatever and uh <laughs> but it's somehow those books are just so bad and boring they're poorly written they're really just badly written just the movies are also very bad. I, this is the only one I've seen. I really do. Although after watching this one, I kind of want to see the Kirk. You Cameron should do one. the same thing you did with Thief in the Night. Get yeah. really yeah. blasted. Okay. I watched the because it's also on YouTube. Oh yeah, right, right. And as, a, as in, a, interesting note too, the Nick Cage Left Behind is on YouTube. You can buy it, or you can also just watch it for free. <laughs> <laughs> People really want it available for like Bible study, I think. Yeah. Yeah, which is wild because it's not the Bible. Well, that's that's what's weird to me is it seems 100% removed from any actual like Christianity. Well, and it's also like correct me if I'm wrong, Ash, but like it's based on Matthew 24. It's this idea that um so revel you know, the revelation happens and Jesus will collect all the the faithful but what I was looking up says that that's a misreading of Matthew 24, that like Jesus is actually collecting the wrathful and sending them to be punished. There's this bit about like the, if like 
you know, the master leaves one of the the servants in charge, and then do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like the two workers in the field, and one will be taken, and one will. Yeah. Um, any parable that Jesus spoke is so debated. <laughs> like it's, I think there's a reason that they're uh kind of poetic and obscure, and not like he's literally saying something. I should have read up a little bit more, like refresh myself a bit more on that passage. But yeah, what the fuck? But I think, like, even if it isn't as what you're saying, it's it's still a long jump to say that this is this scripture means that in the end times, people are going to be taken up and raptured, and some people are going to be left behind. Right. Because what I always interpreted that scripture to mean was you don't know when you're going to die. Like, your time can come at any time. Two workers go out into the field, one is taken. Like, it's... Right. It's like a plowing accident. It's... it's, (laughs) Like, yeah, but like... Well, it says, says I'm quoting from uh, the Bible now. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day our Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming... Mm-hmm. Uh, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house get broken into. Uh, so basically, uh, God will come like a thief in the night. And then, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants of his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and in an hour he is not aware of, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, I guess that could go either way. Of, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of up in the air, you know? Yeah. No, but I mean, tr- truly, like Ash was saying, though, it's like that is, yeah, it, it you could really assign that all kinds of meanings. It's It's a parable. It's interesting to take it to mean like ultimate judgment instead of like personal judgment right um or like in literally someone's going to be like sent to a place with wailing and gnashing of teeth it seems to me like there's so many like the bible is just ripe it seems like people almost like misinterpret it on purpose or like assign specifics to something that doesn't need it on purpose absolutely i think yeah. it's been used as a tool of manip- manipulation by people for a long time. Well, yeah, it sort of has the qualities of something that you can use to support any any agenda that yeah. you have, right? Which is interesting to, and this is something I want to bring up more when we talk about the movie, but you're kind of seeing a very specific cross-section of culture in the movie, which is upper-middle-class white American. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how capitalism plays into the whole thing too because a lot of it takes part in a mall right there's a lot there's a lot of writing going on but i find it interesting that that's i guess i find this interesting on a lot of christianity and like the um the church i grew up in which was fairly wealthy is like christ taught to give up your possessions right 
and then follow him. And it's like, I don't know. It's, it's this fear of like kind of losing your possessions, whether it's your stuff or the people that you love. Right. And the chaos that ensues from that. So it's... Yeah, there's there's an anxiety of, of around, yeah, the destruction of, of stuff, of yeah. the malls and cars and and all of that and 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 the sort of like i i think yeah i mean we can get into this more uh as we get into the plot but i think there's it's really telling that in in this fantasy the minute that everybody gets raptured, it, everybody starts to riot and yeah. loot. And yeah. <laughs> like and civil uh, society just immediately breaks down because Which, every, like, everybody who's left, I guess, is just the kind of, the <laughs> exactly the kind of people who... Uh, they're the kind of people who beat the slaves and get drunk. Yeah, yeah. who drink with drunkards. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that that's interesting, too, because with the exception of Cage and his family, they didn't focus on any good people that no, got left. No, every, everybody who's... Well, there's one good person who got left. Who? The, the, the loosely implied Muslim man? That's right. Uh. But see, oh, wow, that opens up, like, a whole nother, like, thing that I was thinking about while I was watching it is it's, like, actually fucked up and unfair yeah. because it's not about who's worthy. Oh. It's about who believes in the Christian God. Right, right. And is worthy. Like, yeah. that's really it. Yeah, there's, there's all sorts of, like... I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't feel like I'm qualified to break down like exactly like what that implies. I am. But <laughs> like I was just watching a shitty cage movie. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. you know, but but like that, I think, bothered me way more than a lot of other things about this oh, movie. Oh, man. It bothered me. It was like, yeah. what, what about all the fucking Jews and Muslims and good people of other religions around the world? Or what about the babies? This is the other thing I oh, thought they took, about. Well, they took all the babies. So they took the babies, but actually, if you're actually, I think, following it, like they're literally f- as in the Bible, babies have original a- sin until they're baptized. So all those babies in the hospital technically mm. should have been left because well, they were all still tainted with original sin. That's true. Or they're floating on a raft, raft in hell. <laughs> is, Wait, is that an option? Yeah. Wait, so is it just like a That's, barge with every baby gonna, piled to, up on top of I it? I need to look it up. Yeah, so cite, not, cite your source on that. Okay, cite my source on this. Uh, this my source always is made me Satan. upset when I was a kid. <laughs> this is a thing that uh, that people believe. Yes. Uh, um, stand by. While, yeah. while you're doing that, I, I'm going to back up a little bit and just give a little context so we can really get into the the uh, the meat of this film. Yeah, so Larry Norman made the music, Thief in the Night, 1972. Um, indie film, three sequels. Um, it's estimated that A Thief in the Night was seen by 300 million people because this was a market that was wide open. And the fact that it's a horror film was incredibly appealing to both people who wanted to scare people into Christianity and uh, teens. <laughs> so uh, the, it became an industry, and we're, I didn't write down the act- the author was, oh, Timothy LaHaye um, wrote Left Behind in the, the 90s, 90s yeah. and made a bazillion dollars off of it. And uh, this Cloud 10 Productions scooped it up. And uh, I think 
before, either before or before. concurrently yeah. making these films, uh, they made a series of uh, films that were ripoffs of Left Behind uh, called the Apocalypse series, <laughs> which um, also rules. It's it, They're really bad. I've seen the third one with Gary Busey in it. Whoa. Gary Busey and Howie Mandel. Whoa. And Margot Kidder. Whoa. It's called Apocalypse Tribulation. Uh, Mr. T is also Whoa. in one of them. Um, Wait, how come we're not doing that movie instead? <laughs> <laughs> they, they they are just as bad. Um, but Dude, I don't care. I'll take Mr. Budget. T and Gary Busey over Chad Michael Murray anyway. <laughs> <laughs> What's nice about the Apocalypse films is the devil is actually present and uh, his name is Franco Macaluso. <laughs> <laughs> as an Italian-American, I'm, I find that extremely offensive. <laughs> And uh, he, uh, he's like in uh, A Thief in the Night, um, uh, he uh, supports a, a New World Order thing called One, One Nation Earth um, that uh, just takes over, which I don't know. I just, I really like the paranoia about like the UN and uh, stuff like that. Yeah, but. it's weird because all this Christianity shit is also wrapped up in like extreme globalist paranoia, yeah, yeah. which which yeah. is also really and unsettling to me. I mean, I know like that makes it an easy scapegoat for like xenophobia and racism because if you're against like yeah. the bad governments, then you can get away with just being against the country in general and the no, people in it in it's, general. It's really, it's, like, it's really telling. It's really crazy yeah. to me that it's like that is the way that they are deciding the world is going to end is because everyone pulls their resources to try to like make a better world order. No, don't, don't trust them. <laughs> don't trust them. <laughs> um, and uh, that, so... I mean, that could be why we're <laughs> part of why we're in the place we are now. <laughs> it, it's not... It, it. Yeah, it didn't happen in a vacuum. So they they were making these films. They're god awful and really bizarre. And uh, then they scooped up the rights to the original Left Behind and made it with uh, Kirk Cameron. They spent four million dollars on it, which was pretty big. That's a pretty and, low budget, though, for like what it was. And it made around four million dollars. It it was the most successful indie film of two thousand one. You know, it kind of broke even, but they they definitely got their message out there. Uh, but author Timothy LaHaye... Yeah, didn't he sue he the production sued, company? He sued them, um, <laughs> saying that they promised... not a, There was no contract, but he said that they verbally promised to, <laughs> that it would have a $40 million budget. How is that even admissible in court? <laughs> it's not. It got, I mean, also, it, who, what, what production company would not cover their ass and like promise an actual bottom line? I mean, I assume that they did. I think that the one uh, Cloud Ten Films seems to be good at making money, at mm -hmm. least, like, but uh, they because they it got so the the rights to it got all tied up after they made it. His his whole thing was he was upset because it was bad, basically, <laughs> and he thought that if there was more money that it would have been better. And he was upset that it was released on home video through like Christian outlets and not like wide theatrical release because it didn't, it, he, he described it as a, a glorified church basement movie, which is, so is this one. Exactly what it is. Yeah. But like also that's the market. That right. Like, um, so anyway, it was tied up in, in uh, the rights were tied up for nine years and uh, they finally settled. I was a little confused about how they settled because it sounded like 
he, Cloud 10 was granted the rights to remake it, but Timothy LaHaye was also given the rights to like re, redo it. I don't know together or what, but anyway, at when it, when it finally got released and uh, the rights got released in like 2010, they started working on this. And uh, so this movie was basically a way for the author of the book to like write what he thought like how like like write the wrong that he thought was done to his story he uh, he apparently was happy with this version oh yeah i read it i read something uh, actually i had the exact quote here because it actually blew my mind that someone said this the best movie i have ever seen on the rapture from him from him well, how many fuck. how many movies are there on the rapture? I, there's at least two others of which i know one of them is better than this one <laughs> <laughs> Knowing, <laughs> yes, that's not even. I mean, I was thinking of Deep in the Night. Yeah, yeah. But like, but also, yeah. There's more that I probably haven't even seen. I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Are you ready with this? It looks like you're ready with this baby raft. Info. No, dude. My my whole world is breaking around my eyes because I don't think this exists. <laughs> I think it's something that my dad just told me when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I love that. Um, the only thing I can find right now is a very loose, like Saint Augustine, idea of limbo and children going to limbo instead of hell because they don't have personal sin, but they do have original sin. Very what, complicated. What's fucked up is like I now I I know that, but you still put the idea of the flaming like baby raft in, in on my, the river in my brain, and, and I. Like a child, yeah. I kind of believe it. You know, I see it. Yeah, in my brain, the verse is like, and the, we cast into the lake of fire, but the children will be given a raft and they'll be. <laughs> and I always just imagined, like, okay, well, I guess it doesn't suck as bad, but what are they going to do? <laughs> yeah, I imagine just like it's a. going to change their diapers. Yeah, I, I imagine <laughs> uh, just a pile of every baby ever born on a giant barge floating down like a river of lava. Just so, like, yeah. Stacked yeah. Like like firewood. On. So I must I must have asked my dad what happens to babies when they die when I was a kid, and that must have been what he made up. He like he like couched the blow a little bit, and yeah. he was like, "There, it's but they have a raft." God sent them a raft. Oh my god. Oh jeez. Uh, yeah, um, instead I'm of sorry. just, I'm so sorry. Guys. No, it's I, that's way more interesting than the reality, and, and like, it's more interesting yeah. than this movie. Yeah, so. way more interesting. They should make a movie about that. <laughs> actually, it's like Kid Nation, but yeah. it just happens. On <laughs> it's oh. like uh, it's like Baby Geniuses, but uh, they have to they have to go they have to go <laughs> save all the raptured children in hell. They're on all a raft in hell. They're all damned. Look who's oh, talking. God. Three. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Wait, what are other boss baby? I'm trying yeah, to think the, of other the boss baby. I mean, the bo yeah. uh, let's be real. The boss baby is going to hell. Ba baby's day out. Baby's day in hell. <laughs> Honey, I blew up the kid. I mean, you could like the, you could go on and on with baby centric movies. Okay. Okay. Here's before we get into the actual plot of this movie. Here's my my last little bit of trivia. Um, left behind was meanwhile while this was tied up in litigation, he was releasing. You know, like we said, sixteen. Uh, books. They <laughs> they collectively. I'm sorry. They collectively. <laughs> they collectively sold over 65 million copies, and uh, they were adopted <laughs> adapted into a quote real time strategy game for Microsoft Windows. Oh no! 
Dude, that's incredible. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it was like mist or something, yeah. but <laughs> there's like puzzles you gotta solve to not get wrapped. Oh yeah, what? Or like yeah. or like Duke Nukem. Yeah, right. Oh my. Dude, anyway. that would be great. You're you're go you're walking through hell trying to save the raft of babies, just blowing, <laughs> yeah, like no, it's blowing just doom. demons. Yeah, it's, it's just yeah. doom. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, Doom, man. but mixed with uh, Moonwalker, the Michael Jackson arcade game where you save <laughs> oh children. Oh, goodness. Um, from the raft. Yeah, that yeah, one didn't from the raft, well. You have, you have, to, you have uh, to get them from the raft and take them back you, up to Right. Yeah, you have to Earth. shoot the beholders and all the all right. the flying demons. and yeah, and then All before steer. the seventh son of the seventh son uh, returns to... Uh, okay. Yeah, it's um, at the, the last part is kind of like... Um, at the end of the Oregon Trail games, but you're on the raft full of babies and you have to make it back <laughs> to uh, to paradise. You have died of dysentery. Um, so, uh, yeah, well... Yeah, so, so I, all of that information um, is really just to give a sense of what a big cultural phenomenon this was outside of... it, with it Within the realm that it was happening. Like, right. the, if, if you were an evangelical, this was very much on your radar and if you were even not if you were christian like this was a huge cultural phenomenon yeah people thought the world was ending and they're like oh my god everybody's gonna become a christian when they see this movie because they're gonna yeah well yes. and and this was also like like pre-y2k where i feel like a lot of people they were like what's gonna happen when mm. the millennium turns mm -hmm. like as if anything was gonna happen but uh, but like I, I feel like that was also like the books came out at a good time to kind of capitalize on the like millennium yeah. like craze. Well, um, that they're still thinking that this might, maybe this is a good time to play this little clip I found of uh, one of the guys from Duck Dynasty plugging oh, no. uh, this Left Behind movie. Okay, hold on. The time has come. I will deliver my message to the world, and soon the people will know the truth. Who are you expecting? Nikolai Carpathia? Hey, I'm Willie Robertson. Like most Christians, my family and I can truly say that we're excited about the soon return of Jesus. And I'm sure if you've been watching the news lately, you know that that return could be any day from now. But what about those who may not even know about it? People who don't even know what's at stake. That's why I'm so excited to be part of the brand new Left Behind movie starring Nicolas Cage. It's an action-packed thriller that will take viewers on a wild ride through the day of the rapture when millions of believers will suddenly vanish into thin air. It's a warning to those, if it happened today, would be left behind. And I believe people are going to make that life-changing decision to follow Christ on the way home from the theater on October 3rd. Let's all make sure we bring some friends and family to see this movie. People who need to see to believe. Opening the door to unbelievers has never been this much fun. Visit leftbehindmovie.com for more information, cool clothes, ministry tools, and group ticket sales. It's all there. Left Behind opens nationwide on October 3rd. Are you ready? Did you laugh at the end? I think that was me. Oh. That... <laughs> I want a shirt. Yeah, I, <laughs> I want I, those ministry I, I tools. I do too, kind of. But it's interesting that he said group tickets. I, I assume they were like, they were assuming that like entire churches Church or yeah. congregations oh, would yeah. like go see it together. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. So, Ash, when you saw this in seventh grade, what was your takeaway? What was your thought? I think that at that point in my life, 
I was, I had a lot of questions. Understandably. Um, I had a lot of questions that weren't really being answered by anyone in the church. Obviously, I had a question about where babies go when they died, and my, well, we know someone now. made up an answer for me. <laughs> um, I mean, on a raft in hell, obviously. Yeah, I, I don't know what you were expecting. And, and it was at a point in my life where I was reading the Bible every night, and I was like, Going through it and going through it. Like look, at, waiting for it to click. Yeah, waiting for it to click and kind of waiting for some answers to happen. Um, and I was particularly upset that this, that the, the church decided, <laughs> the, the church I was going to at the time, which I didn't really have any say in what I was doing because right. my parents were there, uh, wasn't teaching the Bible. They were watching a, a movie wow. that was like loosely based on the Bible. And I was so frustrated because like I had a bunch of weird questions. Right. And about in, the, the in, sacred text. And uh, yeah. And I remember really liking Revelations because it's the most entertaining yeah. uh, book of the Bible, in my opinion. And yeah, it's like a bad trip because I also was very shy and the aspect of like, you need to get other people to come see this movie (laughs) (laughs) because they're going to go to hell. And I think the I think the ethos behind it was like, how could you hate people so much that you wouldn't bring them to this movie? Do you want them to go to hell? Like, why don't you like it, it was it was a very. For for those of you who are unfamiliar, evangelical evangelical churches are generally uh, oriented towards evangelizing. So, right. bringing more people in and bringing more as many people in. And the way they get children to do that is guilt, primarily. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um. So that was kind of like, I guess I kind of got fed up with everything at that point. Yeah. And I remember watching it and being entertained and. It was cool that I could watch a movie at church sure. because what kid doesn't want to watch a movie at church? But it was similar to like what happened when the Passion of the Christ came out. There was a similar like people. It was it was a surrogate for for Bible study. Like you weren't studying the Bible anymore. Yeah. You were watching a movie and trying to get like your non Christian friends to come see it. But jokes on you. You don't have any non-Christian friends because I told you, you couldn't have any non-Christian friends. <laughs> right. right. So, so. Even if you did and you brought them to this movie, they probably wouldn't want to be your friend anymore. Yeah. Like, I mean, that would be a yeah. weird, I'm, I'm trying to think of like when I was that age and you know, like your parents, like your friend's parents would like take you to like a movie. You know what I mean? And mm. I'm just like, like, what if like one of my friend's parents just took like a group of us and they were like, all right, we're going to go see Left Behind. <laughs> yeah. I would have been like, what yeah. the fuck is going on? Yeah. I definitely would not have been converted into, I mean, the, so it's like, I mean, on the one hand, it's like that to me is so upsetting that like children are being forced to evangelize uh, and uh, with this, the threat of damnation or that they're going to kill their friends basically by uh you know all of that is uh and and i don't want to i don't want to just completely make light of that because it's uh, it's uh bad i don't i don't support it um but 
I, it's it's funny, like thinking of the Passion of the Christ, which you know also had a huge impact and a cultural impact, but had a cultural impact outside of that was a cultural moment that was outside of the church too. Like people, I mean, in part because of Mel Gibson and who Mel Gibson is and uh, continues to be allowed to be. Uh, but, <laughs> but like, Jeez. and it's also, I mean, a much better movie. I mean, it, it's, it, it, it's essentially, a, I guess I want to say a snuff film, but it's, it's obviously not. It's, it's, fake but like you know it's it's affecting because it's it's, torture it's torture porn yeah and like i i don't know if i would have been converted i i I know i wouldn't have been converted to anything by seeing it but i would have been affected and the irony of this movie is like if i saw this i would have been either like at best confused and at worst i just completely scornful of whatever this was trying to convince me of because it is so ineffective. Like mm, it, yeah. it's just a, it's. A, I mean, from the, the just as movie making, it's just garbage. As storytelling <laughs> and and making any sort of point, it like completely misses. Like I. Well, and that's the thing that confuses me about it because it'd be one thing if it was a bad movie, but it succeeded in spreading yeah. the message like right. I, I understand that that's the point or vice versa or vice versa but it, it, it succeeds on no, no level. like no level at all at all like none at all it's not even so bad that it's entertaining no, no it, it's it's really- i actually had to watch it in three separate bursts wow. because i like literally was like at, like every 20 to 30 minutes i was just like I I just would find myself like picking up my phone because you, I was well, you like, texted so, you texted me in the middle and just said yeah. I hate this yeah. movie and that was only like half an hour into it well <laughs> I think they had barely been raptured at that point and I was already like <laughs> I'm so over this I like, already hate <laughs> movies that take place on planes <laughs> because it's like where do you go okay we're in the cockpit again <laughs> Air Force One you know? oh, God Con Air. So yeah, you have you're pretty much moving between like three different kind of scenes or scenarios, yeah. yes. and then it goes to two. I mean, there's pretty yeah. much one set. So before we want to like before we want to get into act, talking about like the actual film itself, mm-hmm. do we want to even go through a plot? I feel like it's pretty self explanatory, well, right? Like I, but, but I mean, yes, I mean that's part. It's okay, Dave. Get it out because if you don't. We're all going to hell. I'm speaking in tongues right now. uh, (laughs) I mean, part of why this movie uh, fails so colossally is that there's there is no dramatic tension because we know what happens. We all know there's a bunch of people that are going about their lives. Uh, the good ones disappear and then everyone's going, what happened? We don't know what happened. There's like 30 minutes of the film where everyone's arguing about what they think happened and it's so dramatically inert. Like, it's like, also like, if you're watching in church, you know, even if you don't, if you, he doesn't, like, that's not the point. Like, that's part of what I mean is like, it's just missing the point of even the, the, this batshit point that is trying to make it's like you know we don't need all everybody on the plane to have a different theory and then argue about it with each other well and it also fails on that level too because even in other movies where the point okay i'm trying to think of other like worldwide like unexplained disaster movies like uh 
what was the shitty Marky Mark one? The the oh, like, the, yeah. happening. the happening. So like something like that, right? Or the one the one that just came out, uh, Bird Box, right? Yeah. Where like all of a sudden, everyone in the world, something crazy shit happened, and like no one knows what's going on, and everyone's panicking. Like even in those instances in those movies, you can actually like derive some kind of pleasure out of like watching the chaos yeah. and like mm. the downfall of society. But even in these scenes where like people are looting and like cars are like blowing up and like driving into each other. It's like, there's no, like I'm just watching those scenes of everyone running around screaming and just going like, so yeah, like it's just profoundly boring. Well, somehow. also, also yeah. like knowing that, uh, the, you know, okay. You, you, these people are all stuck on earth and all of this chaos is happening. There's also, yeah, there's a sense of like, so what? Because it's like, well, it's just going to get worse from here. It's yeah. like, I mean, what, w- <laughs> like what ending? We we know how this story ends. They're going, I guess, going to hell or dying or they're damned. They're, they're damned now. So like, what is the dramatic point? I of- can't remember if in the series what specific like futurist um, position it takes because it may be that it's like this is the first rapture and then there's like oh, rapture later and then there's chance. another oh. rapture and so there's like be dope. I think there is like a chance for redemption and uh. that's why I'm curious to see if they'll make a sequel because that's kind of where it ends in right. the yeah. the older ones I remember like. One thing. Vaguely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, imagine There's so many different weird just interpretations of what's, what, what the hell people think is going to happen. Yeah. Um, and um, it, it splinters off even in this one view of like, okay, is everybody damned or is there going to be another rapture? Is there going to be, yeah, anyway. Imagine uh, having uh, like a really like Gaia centric, like sort of earthy planty church and uh you make people watch the happening (laughs) (laughs) and you have to take your friends you have to take your friends to see the happening yeah but like literally like that that is basically what this yeah feels like i mean and it's a movie very much in that kind of genre yeah and and also like the this movie is based on like the first two or three chapters of the first Left Behind book. Like, they don't even... Oh, it's not yeah. even the whole first no. book? No, which is also why it seems like it's nothing It's, like, happens. so spread out. That's weird. Because, okay, so there's 16 books in the series, and they said after they yeah. rebooted it with this one, the, one of the, the author of the book said that they were looking at turning the rest of them into a series of six to eight movies. But wow. even I feel like this is only the first couple chapters, and they have sixteen books to cover. Like that, right. six to eight movies is still like not even near enough. And just like yeah, they just clearly could have like they uh, everything that happens in this movie really could have happened in the first thirty minutes. Yeah, of a and movie. it's annoying because but, they're trying to well, build an yeah. origin story, being like with the idea of like okay, well, this is just setting it up. Like you know, we'll expand on it. I mean, it's like the it's like the fucking Avengers mentality. It's yeah. like the, the whole first movie is just like, the, yeah. it's like I've seen this story a billion times. Yeah. Like you know, but but they don't. But they, but then they just settled on it. You know what I mean? Right. They're like, okay, so this is just going to be the origin story, and 
And then, you know, it'll be so successful that we'll have six to eight more movies to, like, flesh it out. And the, uh, yeah, and for some reason, they what they thought would really work is focusing on this sort of, like, bottled drama of the all these fascinating people just bumping up against each other. What do you do, man? What do you do when you're left oh, behind? Oh, my goodness. And, yeah. and it feels like... Of just a bad student play, yeah, and which is not to belabor this point, but like, did did you ever see uh, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames? I don't think I have. It's a uh, it's a Christian play uh, that uh, is put on in by church groups uh, that is super over the top, and they like it's it's like you know what somebody will like drunk drive and like kill somebody and then oh. like demons will come out and stuff. So, anyway, the, the point, is, the, the point that I'm just getting at is like, that is way more successful than whatever this is in terms of in, in all in convincing people oh, about it. Like yeah. this is sub student play. Uh, let's, let's get into the plot. Um, Nicholas Cage plays a pilot with the amazing name of Rayford Steele. <laughs> Sounds like a porn name. Yeah, <laughs> Honestly. Absolutely does. Well, as does uh, Chad Michael Murray's character, Buck Williams. <laughs> that sounds like a gay porn name. <laughs> <laughs> who's uh, a stud of an uh, investigative journalist who's somehow like f- treated like a rock star. Okay. <laughs> I know. Who... I don't. I couldn't tell you what any investigative or journalist looks like, so I don't understand how he gets people to come up to him in the airport. Isn't the whole point of an investigative journalist to like blend in, to blend and, like, in. Not, yeah. and like not draw attention to yourself? And also, I'm sorry to digress with like such a with like such a, a weird aesthetic nitpick, but. Please. Dude, his hair, his facial hair in this no, fucking it looks movie so bad. is unreal to me. I'm like, it looks like they painted on five o'clock shadow. Like, yeah. ugh. Um, it's really unsettling. Yeah, he looks strange. He doesn't look as strange as Guy Pierce in uh, in Seeking, Seeking Justice, Justice, who, if you remember, looks sort of like a shaved baby bird slash sentient penis. But uh, <laughs> Ch- Chad Michael Murray is sort of like that, but he has like a beard that got st- he got like a bunch of fur stuck to his face. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's also like, especially during the intro, less so later on when Chick goes down, but. During the first like couple minutes, there's a weird like full house like '90s sitcom sax soundtrack happening. <laughs> like, did you notice this? It's like really, really obtrusive. That. Well, yeah, it's just communicating that like everything is good yeah. and like uh, yeah. fine. It's, it's copacetic. Yeah, um, Cage's daughter is an atheist. Her name is Chloe Steele. Naturally, also kind of a porn name. Yeah, uh, played by Cassie Thompson of Big Love. And Cage is married to uh, Leah, Thompson. Leah Thompson. I don't know if she's... She's from Back to the Future. She's yeah. the yeah. mom Back in to Back the to the Future. And uh, Howard the Duck. Back, Howard Back the to the Duck. Rapture. If anyone remembers that <laughs> I do. gem. And, and Red Dawn. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, I feel like she was wasted in this i mean i'm i'm yeah. not like i i'm not she really disappears yeah yeah <laughs> i like i'm not gonna go to bat for leah thompson i don't think sure. she's like the greatest actress but she, she has way more potential than this yeah like, sure. it, it just, i mean they didn't give her anything to do but well, be but Christian. it just seems weird that she, she broke she, her family apart yeah she, I, that's true did. broke her family apart by like having faith that that also seems well, weird it well, does seem like, weird like that's that seems like they're purposely trying to like villainize like no. they're trying to purposely villainize the kinds of people that think christian people 
are like stupid. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they. I mean, it. It's set up. I mean, her marriage is falling apart. Like Cage is thinking of cheating on her. Her daughter is is super fed up with her cheating All- on her with you too. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> that was so weird to me that they put so much emphasis on the band being you too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rayford Steele uh, is it, thinking of cheating on her with uh, a stewardess, uh, and uh, he got. <laughs> tickets to go see you two in England with her um, rather than staying home and uh, visiting with his daughter and uh, on any, his birthday on, on his yeah. birthday um, so but she there's all this tension and people think that she's a wacko uh, because she is literally the kind of Christian who's happy about natural disasters like they spell that out <laughs> that, mm. and um and yeah, it, and it feels very much like it's like this movie is just like, no, it's proving it right. You know, she's she's right. She's going to heaven and they're wrong. Which now is, who's laughing? Yeah. <laughs> Which is also weird. This this movie did a thing that really bothered me. I mean, it just did a lot of things that really bothered <laughs> me. But, 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 this, but because we're on the subject of, of Leah Thompson's character, like suddenly getting converted late in life, right. it's like... They they really drove home this idea in the film that anyone that got raptured had some sort of outward Christian, like they were wearing a fish necklace, mm. or like they had like a crucifix on, right? Or like the right, pilot, right, right. or or like or Cage's co-pilot had the watch John with yeah, John three sixteen on his watch, it's like, yeah. And then like the other stewardess had like a had like a a, a Bible a study planner book. a planner with a yeah, Bible right. study like, in it. Like it's all these things where it's just like. The, apparently the only people that got raptured are ones that were like really obnoxious. like, like obnoxiously <laughs> like vocal about them being Catholic. Well, they were, they were yeah. materialistically Christian. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. But it didn't actually show any of them doing anything like righteous. So that no. also was like, it's like, oh, all I got to do is wear a cross and I'll get raptured. Well, the, like, the only, the righteous thing that, that they do, uh, at least the Leah Thompson and, the woman who stops Chad Michael Murray in the airport is <laughs> just berate non-Christians and try to convert them, right. which I guess it, it, they're evangelizing. That, yeah. And uh, But no, you're right. Like, they're materially Christian. Yeah, and I want to point out that this is one very specific aspect or very specific branch of Christianity. Right, yes. This is, this is evangelicalism. No, yeah, yeah. I don't want to, I, I don't want to pretend that we're, uh, specific dunk, dunking on specifically uh, futurist evangel- yeah. evangelism. Yeah, and in reading the Bible, there was a lot of stuff in the Bible where I was like, "Yeah, yeah," that I do believe that. But uh, this this was not one is, of them. No, no. <laughs> this is this is a this is a fantasy. And it's I think I mean we don't have to get into it, but I think it's a dangerous fantasy. It's a dangerous I, it, fantasy that. It creates a narrative of us and them. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, I mean, and that's that's what's fucked up about the, the what's implied about the Leah Thompson character is is that it's us and them, and there's the the righteous who will be separated from everybody because they are separate and should remain. You know, like I don't know. It's either you're with us or you're against us. Right. 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 And fuck you if you're not there at the end. Yeah. Kind of. And and if it and if it ruins your life, if it's making your life uncomfortable, that's too bad. It's too bad because you're wrong. The cage is on the plane. 
Um, what's her name? Chloe Steele is uh, at home with mom. And her brother. And her delightful, adorable, godly little brother. He's the best part of the movie. Then he got raptured they too all soon, honestly. Disappear. <laughs> hilariously leaving their clothes, puddles of clothes everywhere. I mean, I guess that makes sense, right? Like, if you think about it. I just like to imagine that they all just appear buck naked yeah, on a right. cloud. It's <laughs> all just on a cloud being like, what the fuck happened? Like, everyone's naked staring, like, what's going on? Jesus is like, yeah. surprise! Yeah, surprise! Jesus is also naked. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also funny, the idea that you'll leave your clothes, but you won't leave your body. Yeah. Because your body is a physical thing. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like your your body's no less physical than your clothes. Right. Yeah. Um, you imagine instead of puddles of clothes, it's just dead bodies. Just, or, or just like empty skin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, Chloe's, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Cassie Thompson is holding her brother and then he's just like a <laughs> limp skin suit. But uh, oh. no, I really enjoyed that when he got raptured in the middle of an embrace in the middle of the mall and then <laughs> everything everything goes wild. Um, also, it, it looked like an iMovie effect. Oh, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? Where yeah. it was just like there was like a bright there was like a bright light and then he was just gone. Was just like it looked like a filter they threw on. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, again, this plane. film was made for four million dollars. And um, if I'm pretty sure I can't find where I wrote this down, but I'm pretty sure that Cage. Yeah. Uh, Cage was paid three million. Oh, what? <laughs> what? Wait. So. You're telling me that Chad Michael Murray, everybody else, and whatever the hell they put into this movie was $1 million. That's what IMDb says. Okay. Hey, you got to have your star. I mean... Dude, that's wild. There's how many sets? Like five? Five? Four, I guess five. there's there's the airport, there's the house. There's the airplane. There's the mall, there's the, the airplane. Mall, and then... And then like... The tower. Oh yeah, there's like that tower and kind of like runway situation. But that that honestly was probably green screen. Yeah. Um. And there's also that that part where she runs under the overpass, and a bus just falls (laughs) off of it, even though everyone got raptured like hours ago. (laughs) (laughs) Like the bus was just like in a straight line until it suddenly wasn't anymore. Like that was yeah. Just empty. Yeah. That was good. That was that was interesting. The the timeline. Everything goes to shit really fast, but then also just keeps just like, keeps going. Yeah, and then also there was the other plane that was just flying. Oh yeah, straight for how long? Like they After had it on the, like all cruise the pilots control. got oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. right. It was just flying perfectly that's, that's straight. Like an hour and a half into the movie. Or- yeah, that's crazy. They were halfway between London and New York at that point, and the plane was just still cruising. Also, no problem. Um, the this plane nicks their plane and hits a fuel line right and the fuel in the wing the fuel's coming out of the wing of Nicolas Cage's plane and it catches fire and he says it's okay it'll all burn off <laughs> right <laughs> no <laughs> no they they need the fuel to land and the whole it's fucking it, it won't burn off It'll all burn and they'll all die. Anyway, <laughs> this is what we're working with. Anyway, and, and, and I, I think this drives home a, a bigger point about the way this movie was handled is they hmm. focused on all the minutia of what a pilot would do if he suddenly had to emergency land a plane, which mm. isn't the interesting part about what if the rapture <laughs> happened. 
<laughs> it's not. It's not. Uh, and like I, emergency protocol for crash landing a fucking jumbo jet is not why I'm watching Left Behind. And this is interesting because in the original Left Behind, this is a short part of the whole movie. Right. It's like the beginning of the movie. And then a bunch of crazy things happen. And so it's really interesting that they chose this scenario to spread it out. It, it feels like it's like they got Cage to be a character. And then, I mean, does the pilot do... It's like they were like, well, we have to stretch his story out as much like get the most of just cast him in a role that has a that bigger, has a bigger, that has a bigger role, or just make, i don't know do it, it do the, it better the, i'm trying to like explain this but it doesn't it, it doesn't make, make sense <laughs> for a movie that got one percent on rotten tomatoes i think we're like trying to really dive yeah, yeah. way too far into this speaking of the plane crash can we talk about the cgi plane yes yeah. and how, like it's terrible it looks great like <laughs> Like it, it <laughs> also looks like an iMovie effect. I mean, well, but also the, now that you've told me what they had to spend on the budget, I guess that makes they, they actually more it sense. actually does look great yeah. for for whatever they yeah for whatever they spent for the like two thousand dollars left they had for the VFX. That's actually not that bad. Seventy five percent. You know what? I bet they. I bet I know what they did. Just, I bet they got a bunch of free labor yeah. because it was evangelical. That's, yeah. that's what I was going to say, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. I, th- I think they just... They yeah. pulled the, you're doing this for God card. Mm-hmm. Right. I think oh so. Oh, my God. So I like how Cage didn't fall for that shit. No. He's like, nah, dude, pay just, me. <laughs> he, he also, he filmed his scenes in 10 days. That's great. And um, I would expect good no for less. him. Which, Expediency. I mean, again, like, he's at the airport. He has a scene at the airport. And then he's sitting in the cockpit for basically the rest of it. And he doesn't really do much. He doesn't really do much of anything. No. He's not, compared to everything else that's going on in all these other great characters, he's pretty He's pretty uh, vanilla. Yeah. I mean, he's really bad. I, he's really bad in this movie. His, like, I'm the, like, every actor is bad in this movie, but he is just, I can understand why he didn't want to like really put any effort into it, but at the same time, there's like no instances of him like he trying. No, he's at definitely all. doing bare minimum. Um, like I, even, I, even the scene where he has to like call his daughter. Yeah, you know, and like I thought, okay, we're finally gonna get like some sort of like emotion out yeah. of him, but he just cries a little bit, yeah. very unconvincingly, and then like hangs up the phone, and that's the end of the scene. I mean, nobody's given any favors from the script or the story or anything. Like every everybody's doesn't have much to work with. In talking about how he approached this role, uh, he said that his his approach was cinema verite, uh, and which <laughs> basically he was like, "Fuck, man!" I, I know. He, he was saying that like th- to take something that's so outrageous and make it feel real, you have to you have to act as real as you can. Like basically, so he's not doing any of his uh, modern day kabuki. This is the kind of thing where naturalism for him just means like super just low key. He's not really just doing much of anything. This might just be a a bias, but I, I, I don't know if it's just a natural charisma or something. There's something about the way that he handles phoning it in in this movie <laughs> that um, still separated him from some of the lesser actors who were really trying. Uh. Like, I, And I think a lot of that, honestly, is probably just that he's been in on set since he was like 17, and so he can phone it in and have it feel be fine. Yeah, on the whole, bad job everybody <laughs> uh, 
no one gets congratulated for this movie. Yeah, Jordan Sparks, though, um, she was in this. She's very bad and <laughs> is not in it for long. She Her character was going to be played by Tia Mowry of <gasps> Sister Sister. Really? Yeah. Oh, what They happened? couldn't pay her enough. Yeah, she... Yeah, really she exactly. Even she was she over didn't, their budget. She didn't fall, <laughs> fall for it. Also, uh, th- uh, Cass- Chloe Steele, Cassie Thompson's role, was supposed to be played by Ashley Tisdale. Okay. Oh. Who, like... It's this, like, Disney Channel crossover with yeah. the, like, Faith Network kind right. of people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, she was, like really she got pretty far into it but said scheduling conflicts mm-hmm. came up she read I, the script I, exactly and was like, Ooh, maybe she i don't want to like, do this no she decided she had enough treasure stored in heaven she yeah. couldn't do anything for free <laughs> yeah tangentially there's i don't know if you guys remember the uh the airline gate attendant who uh tells nicholas cage it's time to get on the plane but uh She's played by Olympic bobsledder and hurdler <laughs> Lolo Jones, who is a devout Christian who is very active on Twitter about and like prays really ostentatiously before competing and is also a virgin. Good for her. I, uh, I made a note to myself that I took a screenshot of something interesting relating to that just because I went down... That, like, researching this movie, I went down a bunch of rabbit holes. I think, um, I think I spent more time researching, like, the tangentially related aspects yeah, of this movie than yeah. maybe anyone we've done in, like, a really long time. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I t- There's a quote from her where All she says, if there's virgins out there, I'm going to let them know it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, harder than training for the Olympics, harder than graduating from college. It's to been, uh, has been to stay a virgin before marriage. Um, I guess that was interesting good, to me. Good just for because, her for like, having values. Yeah, yeah, good for her. They were trawling for c- people who are outspoken Christians with name recognition to be a part of it, and most of them got wise and said, no thanks. Interesting. Yeah. But they got um, Martin Kleba. I did think it was cool that they had someone with dwarfism in the movie and that's like not part, like they don't really make a thing of it. What are you talking about? I thought they made a huge thing of it. They make well, a joke about it at the end, kind of. Oh, oh, yeah, where they where he kicks him down the, <laughs> down the slide. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> Remember? Well, and also like his entire character is built around like him being like hyper defensive about Insecure. being, yeah, about, about his condition. Oh, I thought, well, I thought he was going to hell because he's a gambler though. I thought he was going to hell because he's angry at everything. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe racist. And I guess he's a gambler, too. Can we also... Yeah, what the fuck, man? They had to put the fucking Muslim terrorist subplot in. Yeah, like, like they I know. had to. I, it's so, like... I felt stupid that I didn't clock what was happening, like, earlier until Martin Kleba se- accused the Muslim character of, <laughs> of <laughs> using some sort of... Uh, a WMD that <laughs> made everybody disappear. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they they did have to do that. Which also, that's crazy. If that is a thing that, like, if someone believed that was a thing that they could invent, yeah. Well, a, like, a, also, why would you use it on one airplane? I mean, and, and what did it? It didn't do anything. <laughs> I mean, the pilot's still there. I don't know. To give some context, these are the people in first class. True. So, so yeah. we have true, true, we true, have. Yeah. We have the microcosm of first class, oh, which yeah. is really interesting. So um, we have Martin Kleba, who plays a very angry 
man. racist man. Gambling. Um, you have a woman who I believe is an ambiguous drug addict. She seemed kind of like, uh, sort of like coded as like Paris Hilton or something. Yeah, she's and and her, her she's there basically to because they need to. Uh, While well, everybody's going through all the theories of what happened, she's like, "This is a bad trip. I'm I'm having a a bad trip." Yeah, as she does more drugs in the plane bathroom. Yeah, yeah. and then you she's have a sinner, dude. you've got the businessman. Who will do the, anything the, for his business? The Texan yeah. guy, yeah. Um, uh, someone who's maybe Muslim. Yeah, I don't think they ever say. He, yeah, he's either Muslim or Sikh. And then uh, you have a little girl who gets raptured, and right. she goes to the raft on the Lake of Fire. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and her mom, Jordan Sparks. You have a nerdy. Japanese guy? A guy, yeah, with a sweater vest whose uh, theory is that it's aliens. And then, am I forgetting anybody? Then then you have, like, there's, like, a, a righteous cop who gets raptured and leaves behind his, his badge and his gun. He was an um, air, I think he was a U.S. Marshal. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. you have the old couple, a really nice old oh, lady. Yeah. The, yeah, the the old man gets raptured, but the old lady Dude, that was heartbreaking. Yeah. Is, it, is it because she has dementia? So so oh, like, so like she, she can you, couldn't. Oh. Can, can you not be? That's like, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Well, see, this is That's what I mean. Felt is, pretty fucking cold. I mean, yeah, these are the questions that I had. That right. you would have exactly. as a child. As, yeah. Right. You would be like, why? Like, how come righteous non Christians are not yeah. also allowed? What happens to the babies? What about like the people like the old woman? Yeah. Right. And like who's seen in the movie not doing anything wrong? Right. Just being old and confused. But and I think nice. Also, nice. Yeah. But I think also like it. It. it it's just. I just want to know the rules. Like, what are the rules of the mm-hmm. rapture? Who gets raptured and who doesn't? Well, Miles, I know a place where you can go where they'll give you all the answers. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> have, you heard, have you for, heard the good news? I'm feeling a little lost in my life right now. I could use some direction. <laughs> have you heard the bad, terrifying news? <laughs> so I think it touches on how ambiguous this idea right. is because... Isn't there also a preacher character who does not get raptured? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Who, who explicitly says, I I didn't believe what I preached until right. this happened. Yeah. So this used to terrify me as a kid because there wasn't any like, it's like I was always looking for an emotional response to church, an emotional response to the Bible or right. anything. And I was like, I believe this, I believe this. But in my heart, it was like, do I, how do I know? Yeah. Is this just going to happen one day? And there's no explanation. Something that's terrifying is Calvinism, which Mm. is the idea of like predetermination. And it's not even about your free will. It's just like these people are going to be saved and these people are not. You're either this or you're that. Sorry. I understand having a a character who's a preacher who doesn't get saved uh, as uh, a message to adults to like, you know, I don't know. Like I, I get that. And it's also, it, they do it in the thief in the night too, the exact same confrontation pretty much. But as a child, <laughs> it gives this weird message. I mean, and to, to everyone really, it's, it's just don't trust anybody because don't, don't even people who act righteous or seem righteous could be a threat to your own salvation. Yeah, I can't imagine how confusing that would be to a child. Which is weird to think that there's something that could threaten your salvation if your salvation isn't in your own hands to begin with. Right. Mm-hmm. That exchange led to uh, 
<laughs> a, a piece of writing I really liked where the pastor says to uh, Chloe Steele, he says, listen to me. And she goes, listen to you? Why should I? You didn't even listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that touched my heart. I know. That's a, that's a I could, someone could say that to me, you know, <laughs> yeah. like that could be a motivational like quote yeah. on Instagram. Listen to you. You didn't even listen. You didn't to even you. listen to you. As far as plot goes, they they argue on the plane for a, a, <laughs> a forever, really yeah. long time. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Cassie Thompson is running around like a chicken with her head cut off, trying to get in touch with her daddy. Uh, they somehow Cage gets phone service on in the air, and uh, he's got a satellite phone. Uh, that's why he gives her a call. And uh, he needs to land that damn plane. Uh, every, everyone on Earth is on solid ground is going crazy, but uh, she finds a stretch of highway that's like closed for repairs and blows up a thing so he can see where it is. And then they land the plane and everybody prays on the plane, which is good. And then uh, they land and uh, then the Muslim guy kicks the dwarf down the slide of the, <laughs> <laughs> and then it's then it ends. The, there's there's a really great the, the icing on the cake is the last line of the movie. Do you remember? No. It? Okay, so Cage and Chad Michael Murray and his daughter are all like everyone's gotten off the plane and they're like running around celebrating being alive. The three of them are standing next to the plane like on the abandoned highway that's like burning and they look out over the city where like shit's on fire and people are looting and everything's going to hell. And then Cage goes like, it looks like the end of the world. And then his daughter just goes, it's just the beginning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Credits. I'm pretty sure that that's also the tagline on the poster. It's like the end, the end of the world is just the beginning or something. So why did it end there? This is what I mean is the meat of the movie is everything. Yeah, yeah. There's just yeah, yeah, you should you should watch the original. I, I think I'm going to. I can't believe I'm gonna waste more time on this than I already have. It's more entertaining. Like, yeah. I, I like I've already seen Thief in the Night and this, so I might as well finish the trifecta yeah. at this point. Yeah, and this this oh you should also watch there's a movie called uh If Footmen Tire You, What Will Horses Do? That uh, is Ooh, also from, that's terrifying. It's from the seventies and similar. It's got a lot of like red scare uh, stuff about like the new world order of huh. communists coming and like guillotining people who don't believe. And uh, it's it's kind of the same thing, but it's also fucking insane. And I recommend it. And it's on YouTube for free. This was written by the same. I think it, I think it was two people, and yeah, Paul Lalonde and John. Pattis, Pattis, who were who wrote the third Left Behind film, Left Behind World at War, uh, based on Left Behind Tribulation Force, the book, and uh, <laughs> all the subtitles are just so crazy. No. Who's naming these fucking things? <laughs> and it sounds uh, like a video game, Tribulation, Tribulation Force. Force. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they they wrote it, and uh, the director, just for the record, is a guy named Vic Armstrong. This was his first movie. Um, that he directed. That he directed. But he's been a stunt coordinator and a second unit stunt director for like 
decades. Yeah, like the, his his resume is insane. It's, uh, it's stunt coordinator for I Am Legend and Golden Compass and uh, just a, a like lot a, of stuff. a bunch of the '90s and 2000s Bond movies, right? Yeah, uh, like a, this, the the Tobey Maguire Spider Man, right? Like he's he's had a crazy career. Yeah, that's why the stunts in this are so good. <laughs> like that time when she like breaks the window at the mall to get in and then crawls through it super slowly. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I'm wrong. He he directed one other movie, which was 1993's Army of One, starring Dolph Lundgren. Dolph. Which is weird because Cage is in a movie called Army of One that's coming up uh, later in our... Is it a remake or a reboot of the Dolph of Lundgren? Of the Dolph Lundgren movie. Uh, Cage I don't... in Dolph Lundgren's role? <laughs> he's, he's the right age to play yeah. a young Dolph Lundgren for sure. Is Dolph short for Dolphin? I think it's short for Adolf. Oh, oh I understand why he would shorten Will it. You shorten yeah. it, yeah. yeah. Like, what could Dolph be better than? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, that's really all I have to say. Yeah. Uh, do you guys want to know what ChristianityToday.com thought of this movie? Yeah, I do. Okay, hold Ooh. on. Ooh. Spoiler alert. It's not what you It think. was not a glowing <laughs> review. I, I did I did a little bit of reading of uh, of some faithful reviews, the reviews from the faithful and uh, people, the, the reviewers who I was reading who in other ways seem kind of very extreme in their Christianity, they were all agreed that uh, Cloud 10 Productions is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> that they're a bunch of grifters who make shitty movies that they're subjected to watch in church. Okay, so Christianity Today says, Left Behind is not a Christian movie. Mm. Whatever Christian movie could even possibly mean in this day and age. In fact, most Christians within the world of the movie, whether the street preacher lady at the airport or Rayford Steele's wife, or portrayed as insistent, crazy, delusional, or at the very least, just very annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they want churches to book whole theaters and take their congregations. They want it to be a youth group event. They want magazines like this one to publish discussion questions at the end of their reviews. They want the system to churn away, all the while netting them cash, without ever having to have cared a shred about actual Christian belief. Oh, I love this. I know. They want to trick you into caring about the movie. Don't. And then, later on in the review, he says, I tried to give this film zero stars, but our tech system won't allow it. <laughs> <laughs> so they gave it a half a star instead, because they couldn't give it zero. Wow. Good job, Christianity Today. Yeah. I do want to say one more thing about Revelation. Yeah. So. Go off. <laughs> I'm about to go off. I had the privilege of learning about the early church and high school and reading a lot of scripture that's not the Bible, but still it might as well be. Like the Apocrypha? Yeah, the Apocrypha and also just like the church fathers, mm. the people who invented the church, basically. And the best explanation of Revelation that I have ever heard is that it is a coded letter to the people of the church at the time because if you can imagine, pre-Rome Christianity was extremely persecuted and people were being hunted down. People were like, it, it, it's, it's revelation. It's like extreme tribulation happening, but right. it's really happening. It does feel like the end of the world. And if you do some of the numerology, 
um, can relate to Nero, who was the persecutor at the time. So the idea is that Nero is the beast, and this is a letter written to the church at the time in code to encourage them to continue. Yeah, I've, I've heard that too. And it if you read it with that lens, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, it, yeah. And there are a lot of other letters that are similar to the book of Revelation. They're just not in the Bible. Oh, and in the Apocrypha? They're not a, not necessarily in the Apocrypha. I just know that word, so I can't <laughs> say it. <laughs> it's a cool. Um, <laughs> but they're like letters to the church. Mm. Yeah. So what, what God decided what became like official Bible and what was just the other stuff? This is the council at Nicaea, um, or the ecumenical council. It was just people got together and chose what books were going to be in the yes. Bible, but it coincided with Rome's adoption of Christianity. Oh, okay. So as so, you can imagine, it's like a also a very political yeah, definitely. Um, kind of thing. The Nicene Creed, like a lot of, um, I think most, most Christianity is based on the Nicene Creed, which it um, explicitly accepts the council of, decision of the bible to be like the word of god Got and nothing okay. else and so but i believe there are ulterior motives to that so. sure I'm, I'm i guarantee there are <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't think anything involving the bible or christianity has no ulterior motives <laughs> uh, yeah it's had a long history with a lot of people with uh, vested interests pulling it in different ways so i just wish it manifested in more exciting pop culture artifacts yeah because sometimes it does and yeah. then other times you get this sometimes <laughs> you get the, uh, this there's media ar that you could make around the book of revelations that would be fascinating or fun at least. Right. Like, or uh, moving or they're th like, it's weird that they chose the, just the most boring, <laughs> stupidest Avenue to do it. And, uh, they had $4 million to do it. With, yeah. But, uh, there you go. There you go. Uh, well, Next time, we'll be talking about 2014's Dying of the Light. Great. Which is the first, the first time our man is uh, teaming up with Paul Schrader um, of Taxi Driver and uh, Raging Bull. And no, no, they did uh, um, the ambulance, New York ambulance one. That was Scorsese. That, oh, but he wrote yeah. it. Schrader yeah, wrote Schrader it. Wrote yeah, it. you're right. Yeah. No, oh, sorry. So this is the first time that Schrader's directed. Oh, got it. Okay. Got it. Cool, cool. Um, just skimming this Wikipedia article, looks like we're in for a real treat. Yeah, this one is supposed to be weird. I did some research on it because I was curious. Because I did you did you guys see First Reformed? Yeah. No. Oh, it's amazing. It's good. I I really liked it, but I I did like after I saw that I did kind of like a a deep dive into some Paul Schrader stuff. Yeah, what's he? He's been a, up to? He, he has a problematic career for sure, but like yeah. he, I think when he's on his game, he's brilliant. Yep. Um. This did not look like one of those instances, though. But I, I refrained from watching it because I knew that we yeah. were going to eventually get to it. So. Cool. Well, I'm excited to, to dig into it. Yeah. Uh, Ashley, do you have anything you want to plug before we go? Oh, no, I'm not really doing much right now, but thanks for having me. And also, I am um, apologize if anything that I said was 
fake news because <laughs> no, uh, I'm a little shook up no, about it, this raft situation. I, uh, I, the, I mean, honestly, the, the thing about the babies on the raft was the best part of, of the uh, whole episode. I, I wish Sweet. that they had included that in the movie. I would have gotten a little more out of it. I think. <laughs> Man. CGI. Uh, CGI raft. hell yeah. raft babies. Now uh, I, I need to fact check the, the Council of Nicaea because <laughs> I'm having doubts about where the Bible came from. Thank <laughs> Thankfully, uh, this is a podcast uh, about the career of Nick Cage, so nothing we said about the Bible actually matters. Don't, Tight. <laughs> yeah, don't um, don't take any of it. This, um, yeah, whether whether what we said is true or not, um, I feel like this has been very educational. Uh, yeah, and you definitely have way more knowledge on this kind of stuff than either of us. Thank God oh, that we weren't so, just like, talking about it ourselves. Yeah, because yes. we we would have just been like would have been all misinformation. Yeah, oh, I finally yeah. feel a little bit comfortable talking about it. I really hated it for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's it's interesting. There's it's fascinating. And growing up in it will gives you, a, I think, a window into American and Western culture that uh, is super fascinating. Yeah. Well, happy to lend it to you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, lastly, I mean, all the stuff that we usually say, uh, follow us on Instagram, recommend it to your friends, tell, rate us on iTunes, do, do all if of that. If you don't tell your friends about this podcast, how much do you hate them? They will yeah. go to they hell. They will go to they, hell. If you don't listen to this podcast, you will go to hell. And, and if you don't... Bring sign, your friends. Yes, rate the podcast and tell 10 friends. It's like a chain letter. Uh, except you go to hell. Dave, I hope that when the rapture comes, if only one of us goes, that the other one will carry on this podcast. <laughs> Just <laughs> Just yeah. Yeah. Who's it going to be? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm a little unclear, but maybe yeah, if one of us is in paradise, maybe we can like phone a friend down in, you know, <laughs> I don't know if it's like prison where you can get, you get like three minutes on the phone. Or Depends something. on if you're on the raft or not. You so. only get one yeah. phone call. Yeah. But you don't have your cell phone in heaven. So you, I don't, I don't remember your number anyway oh, so. yeah. oh. um uh what if cage what if cage gets raptured then we won't have to we won't have any more movies to i do. have no question i think he's, he, he's done so much good work i believe he's, he's he's one of the good ones he was he was counting this as uh talking about his uh like they were like uh what drew you to do a faith-based movie and he's like well i've done it before with city of angels knowing and ghost rider and oh. uh, I said, huh? And then I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess there, there, was, there was some like ambiguous demonology going on in Ghost Rider, I guess. Sure. It's it's about uh, being sinful and going to hell and yeah. then coming back and getting saved, I suppose. So, uh, yeah, this is old hat for him. And uh, just for any church groups listening, consider taking people to see uh, any of those movies because yeah. they're also really bad, but <laughs> they're a little bit more fun. Um, before we quit, Ash, can you give us your best panther roar? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Trampled on the floor
days grew cold, a piece of bread could buy a bag of A Bible? Thanks. It's my leather-bound notebook. I I uh, use it for only cage notes at this point, which mm. seems like kind of a waste of fake leather, but it's funny. Yeah, this is a. Uh, when did I start this one? I started this one eight millimeter. Eight millimeter. So it's everything from eight millimeter through this That's one. That's like nineteen ninety. Yeah, and then I had another one for everything before oh, that I wow. ceremoniously yeah. burned when I finished it. Uh, yeah, I burned mine too. Really? Did we talk about that? Or did yeah, we just separately decided. Well, that? well, it, it it wasn't ceremonial for me. It okay. was because I was camping and uh, I didn't have kindling or toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> so you used your cage book? Notebook? Yeah, I wiped my ass with. Uh, uh, Face off and Conair, more like Snake Eyes. Oh, Snake, snake Eyes. eyes. That seems that appropriate. Yeah, I guess. Sure. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's more. This new book is much more appropriate as toilet paper. That's true. But uh, getting into the toilet paper years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, we've been in. We're in it. We're in it. I I always wonder, like, because I'm thinking. I mean, I don't know how. I'll probably finish this one before we're done at the rate we're going. But I'm always wondering, like, should I? Should we keep it? Should we try to like give it away or like sell it? Like, are there people that listen to the podcast that would be interested in my like, in my like chicken scratch notes? I don't know. Maybe Nick Cage would be interested in. Yeah, just mail it to Weston with yeah. with like, no note, no nothing. Like, he just gets a package with <laughs> random notes about his dad's movies in the mail. 